So good morning everyone, my name is Scott, I'm on the staff and leadership team here at the church. It's great to have you with us here this morning. Today we're going to be continuing in our sermon series where we've been looking at the biography of Jesus, which was researched and written by a guy called Luke, who was a Greek doctor. And today we're getting to one of those moments, a pivotal moment in fact, in the life of Jesus as he walked here on this earth. Now I wonder, just to frame this, if you've ever heard of or seen the programme Stars in Their Eyes. It was big during the 90s and early 2000s. It was hosted by Matthew Kelly and uh, it was a, a premise of the programme was that someone who could sing or look a bit like a pop star got their two or three minutes of fame. Matthew would introduce the person and then a, a video would be run and it would uh, show the person in their everyday world, in their workplace, in their home. They'd get, you'd get some of the backstory. You'd get to know the person a little bit. And then Matthew on the evening uh, would introduce them and, and you would get to know a little bit more as he uh, kind of asked them a few questions and interviewed them. They then had the moment where they revealed, they said who they were going to be. They, they told Matthew, they said, Tonight, Matthew, I am going to be Michael Jackson or, or Cher or Whitney Houston, whoever it might be that they were going to impersonate. And to be fair, most of the time you'd look at you and think, really? Really? Are you really going to be that person? The next thing we saw was them stepping out onto the stage. We know that in the background they'd been dressed up, wigs had been put on, they'd been makeup, they'd put clothes on that looked like the certain person. And they would then make their way out as a grand entrance out of the doorway. And it would be through steam and smoke and, and there'll be a light show. And they would step out in this kind of rapturous applause. And, and the big reveal happened. And there they were in all their glory, showing that they, they were who they said they were going to be. Now, three of the disciples have a moment on their journey of getting to know Jesus where a big reveal happens. Yes, they've got to know Jesus a bit. Yes, they have heard who he has said he is. And Peter has even acknowledged this. We saw that last week with Clay's preach. But in the moment uh, we will see today that we get to see him in all his glory. We get to see him for who he is. He doesn't just say who he is. Jesus displays who he is to them as he kind of steps out onto the grand stage of history in this moment in this time and the truth is friends we too we are on our journeys with Jesus as well we're getting to know Jesus day by day some of us have been following him for many years others of us that are listening right now you're sitting there at home you still haven't come to the conclusion that Jesus is who he said he was you're not yet saying I'm a follower of Jesus wherever you are on that journey my prayer for you today is that you would know and maybe uh, even see afresh who Jesus is as we look together at uh, Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36. And we've got Gracie Holland's going to be uh, reading that for us. To Over to you now, Grace. Luke 9 verses 28 to 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountains to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of the face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in the glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And and as the men were parted with him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my son my chosen one listen to him and when the voice had spoken jesus was alone and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen so grace thank you so much you read so well great to hear your voice as well so here we are we're at the transfiguration of Jesus. Transfiguration means a, a complete change of appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. One writer wrote of this moment, it was a powerful demonstration of his, Jesus's divine nature, a manifestation of his glory, which Jesus possessed prior to coming to this earth. And, and this moment is the point that Jesus has been building towards in revealing who he is to the disciples over the last nine chapters. It's going to get harder for me from this moment. You're going to see that with Andy next week. His face is going to get set towards Jerusalem. But this is kind of the pinnacle of him displaying, this is who I am, revealing to them, this is who I am. So what's going on here? Now, remember, the backdrop to this is that the disciples, they've seen all that Jesus has been teaching, all that Jesus has been preaching. They've seen the healings. They've seen and been part of the miracles. They've heard Peter declare that Jesus is the Lord and seen Jesus affirm that to them. But they were still a little bit unsure about it all. He, he still looks like us. Yeah, yeah, he does amazing things. But, you know, how can we be sure? Against this backdrop, he Jesus takes Peter, James and John up on a mountainside to pray. And it's here where Jesus is going to make his big reveal up on the mountaintop, where he's going to breathe confidence and, and, and assurance into his closest three who will then go on to assure others. And what we see on this mountaintop, first and foremost, is we're told that Jesus's uh, appearance, his face is altered and his clothes become dazzling white. That's that transfiguration that we've heard about. This is the glory of God now shining and bringing light. Now, there's many moments and lots of times that we read throughout the Bible of God's glory, whether it's the pillar of cloud and, and fire by day and by night in the desert or the glory descending on the tabernacle in the desert, whether it's in the temple. I don't know if you remember, but uh, when uh, the temple is finished, it gets uh, consecrated, dedicated to the Lord. And, and Solomon prays this great prayer in 2 Corinthians 6. But as he finishes his prayer, we read into the next chapter, chapter 7. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the offerings and sacrifices. And the glory of God filled the temple. The glory of God filled the temple. No one could go into the temple because it was filled with the glory of God. If you fast forward to this moment now, we now see Jesus, who is the personification, who is the fulfillment of the temple. And he is radiating 
the glory of God. In John 17, where Jesus prays for our, the disciples and, he, and, and ultimately he's praying for us as well. He says to his father that he longs to be back with his father. And he, he says, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I always kind of picture this as what this moment would have been like. It's that moment of seeing Jesus in that glory again. It's, it, it, it's the glory is like a, a brightness that it can't be looked upon because it's too bright. It's, it's too awesome. His face changes. His clothes emanate light. And he's joined by Moses and Elijah. How we know they're Moses and Elijah, I've got no idea. Maybe they wore badges. Uh, maybe they heard the names referenced at some point. Maybe Jesus explained it to them later on. We don't really know. But when it comes to writing his biography, Luke is clear. This is Elijah and it is Moses. Why these two? Well, we can speculate here. We, uh, I think the most likely reason is because these two represent different things. Moses represents the law, the law of Moses, and Elijah represents the prophets. The law pointed to our need for Jesus and the prophets spoke of judgment, but they also spoke towards this time where the Messiah would come. They spoke of Jesus' coming. I think it's interesting that both of these guys were on Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb as we hear about it in Elijah's story both of them see the glory of God pass by them they're both therefore witnesses of his glory and are the perfect people to be there with him at this moment as his glory shines forth as representatives of the law and of the prophets they are both well versed in discussing Christ's departure which is mentioned here and Christ's departure here is actually literally it's a, it's a meaning of exodus it's like Jesus is going to go on this journey from this world back to his father. Another interesting thing to note in this is that earlier when asked, um, when Jesus asked who people said he was, the responses came, well, some say you're Elijah. Well, that's not surprising, uh, seeing as Elijah was something of a kind of a hero up in the north uh, where they're kind of camped out at the moment. So Elijah would have been an obvious choice to say, oh, he's Elijah. And also Malachi had predicted, had prophesied that, that, that Elijah would have to come again before the Lord came. They also said that maybe it was one of the prophets of old. Maybe Jesus was one of the prophets of old that would, had come back again. And, and Moses fits this category. And I guess if I'm Jesus and I'm thinking, I want my disciples to be really clear on who I am. Peter, yes, you've said I'm the Lord. I want you to know I'm the Lord, that I'm not Elijah, I'm not Moses. They would be the two people I would have picked to come alongside me and, and to declare that to them. Whatever the reason, it's these two. We have this incredible point in history where we have two giants of the, the, the faith in Moses and Elijah, two Giants of the Old Testament standing here with Jesus as he reveals his glory to his closest three companions. Friends, as we've ascended up the mountain to pray with the disciples and to see Jesus 
revealed to us this morning. Uh, we see this moment of clarity and we, and we look at Jesus in all his glory. He is God just as he said he was. We've ascended to this moment. We see him in all his glory just as they do. But as we move on in the passage, we're going to move on to see that there's a human response and that there is a command from God. It seems that the disciples uh, miss some of what's going on with Elijah and Moses because they're a bit sleepy. Um, and here we've got the same three disciples that that Jesus takes with him into uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. The others get left at the gate of the Garden of Gethsemane. But the, these three, Peter, James and John, get taken further in. And Jesus says to him, uh, this is on that day when he's arrested um, and he's uh, tried. Uh, he's, he wants to pray before all that happens. And he takes these three into the garden with him. And, and to be sure, when he asks them to come uh, to go in to pray with him, they sleep in that moment as well. And he has to come back to me and wake them twice. These three are a sleepy three, it would seem. But they come around in their moment and, and they see Jesus and they see the other two. And just as they're about to part, that they about to part means Elijah and Moses. Peter gives his response to what he's seeing. And I love his response because it's probably how I would have responded or would have wanted to respond anyway if I would had the courage to speak up. Probably is how we all would have wanted to respond. And it's this, it's simple. It says, let's stay here. Let's stay here in this glorious moment. Let's, let's be, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll build you some tents, uh, one for each of you, and we'll stay here. This is it's too glorious to move on. We'll, we'll, we'll rest in this moment from here on. And we'd do the same, wouldn't we? Because let's face it, life is, is often difficult. Work, relationships, all those kind of things can be quite difficult. If it's not difficult, it can often just be mundane, samey, maybe even boring. And sometimes there, there are those high moments. And I'm guessing this would have been one of those high moments. And many of us have had moments like this with God, with Jesus. And we've had our own mountain top experiences. A couple of years ago, we had a, a mountain sermon series looking at mountaintop moments in the Bible. We remarked then that these moments are when we grab uh, some clarity. Uh, we get to look back and we get to look forward and we get to enjoy the vista of where we are right now. As we look to God and, and God reveals something afresh to us, maybe uh, something about himself or maybe something about the situation. He reveals something to us. These are, are moments to be cherished and to be enjoyed, moments to remember and to hold on to. But they're not the moments to live in. They are the moments to live in the good of. They are the moments where we learn from and, and then we take those moments back down into the valley with us where we, where we dwell and we carry them with us to bring us confidence and boldness and courage in the face of the things that we're going through. See, after this moment, the disciples head back down the mountain, immediately head back into ministry. But they're able to live in the good of the moment that they've witnessed. As we live in lockdown, we can remember back maybe to the good old days of meeting all together at South Street Art Centre or Reading Girls School. Corporate worship, how great that was, where we, where we felt the presence of God together. We, we knew he was walking amongst us and what it was to almost at times feel him tangibly. It's so special. I remember back 
years ago when we had a guy called Rob Rufus come and be amongst us. And I, I don't quite understand how it works, but when he was with us, whenever he preached, it felt like the Lord was upon us. The Spirit of God was on us. The glory of God shone with us. The atmosphere was thick and it, and it was heavy with his presence. I once feel, I fell uh, face forward, literally landing on my face in one of these meetings. It, I was so in the presence of God. My legs weakened. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. The peace of God was upon me. And I literally went face first. So much so that someone had to come and check that my glasses were okay and that my face was okay. And it was like, I just want to stay here. I just want to stay here. I remember another, another time when I was in the spirit and we were at a meeting and, and I remember just being in kind of this open vision. And I was up on the rafters of the church building that we were in and I was sitting with Jesus. And he was pointing out to me different ones in the, in the place that were being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was like he was showing me the tongues of fire. If you know the reference to that on the day of Pentecost it was just touching people. And honestly, I could have stayed there forever. Just in his presence, being with him. I could have built tents for both of us and, and dwelt there. That's where I wanted to stay. But he sent me back down the mountain and I ended up praying with people that evening. Friends, let's not be those who look to indefinitely sustain the mountain moments. Rather, let's be those who take strength from them, enjoy them, immerse ourselves in them, yes. But in order for us to walk back down the mountain to the mundane and often tough times of life, the things that we've been equipped to go back to. We, we've gone up the mountain and we've seen his glory. We've looked at what it means to not want to live in those moments, but live in the good of those moments. And the last thing I want us to see this is it's really quite short and it's a simple command, but it's who the command comes from. It gives it its weight because it comes from God, the father. Just as he had done at Jesus's baptism, um, clouds are, are around and this voice comes from heaven and says, this Jesus, he is my son, my chosen one. But he doesn't follow up this time with how pleased he is with him. This time he, he says just something really profound, very simple. He just says to the disciple, he says this, listen to him. The question is, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? The father in heaven is clear. This is my son. My chosen one. Listen to him. In all that you're facing right now, maybe difficult financial situations, maybe if you're in the conversations at work around redundancy, maybe there's a relationship you're in, maybe it's how you look at yourself in the mirror and, and see what, what you see. Whatever it is you're facing, and I haven't used an exhaustive list here, please let this apply to you and your situation. Who are you listening to? Who are we listening to? The Father is clear. Listen to him. My son. Now, this isn't Paul or Peter or even Jesus that is encouraging us to do this. No, this is the highest of all authorities, the father himself. Listen to him. If you're listening to advice that is contrary to the advice of Jesus, 
may well be bad advice. If, if you want to know what the advice of Jesus is, you need to, to read the word or you need to, to talk to someone who can help you think through and listen to him. And friends, just on a point on this, don't let your heart be hardened if he's not saying what you want him to say. Listen to him. It's a simple but sobering thing that is said. Listen to him. As the drama clears in this story, as the drama clears in this historic moment, we need to be clear on one thing. Four men went up the mountain to pray and four men came down. Jesus is still very much with them at this point. As they go back down the mountain, as they go back to ministry and the everyday, Jesus is with them. And that was his promise to them. And although Jesus did leave them eventually, it wasn't before he had taught them about his Holy Spirit, the one that was to come, the one that was going to teach them all the things that he had said and remind them of all the things that he said, the one that was going to comfort them, come alongside them, the one that was going to empower them and encourage them, the Holy Spirit. And he does. He sends his Holy Spirit so that he could be like he said he would be with them to the very end of the age. We read that in the Great Commission. And because of that, we know he is with us also right now friends as we draw to a close peter wanted to make tents and dwell in the glory of god and the truth is he wasn't wrong to want to do that he just had the timing off what do i mean well friends there is a day coming when all that have followed jesus every single person that has followed after jesus will dwell in the glory of god we are told that in the city of God, there is no need for the sun or lamps or lights. Why? Because the Lord God will be our light. It's a place where we join all those who have passed from us. Friends, I know many of us are mourning and, and grieving right now, whether it's over Tina, a family member, whether it's a friend or a work colleague, someone that's been dear to you. I I know many of us are going through grief right now in these ways. But one day we will join them and we will be with them. And, and that's the new heavens and the new earth. And when we're in that new heavens and new earth, we will, uh, that will be lived out in the glory of God forever and ever. Hallelujah. Peter, James and John, they, they caught a glimpse of, of what that would look like. Just for a moment, they got to, to, to see what it was to have the, the face of Jesus and the, and the glow and the glory of Jesus shine upon them. One day, we will experience it for good. It will be our reality. So let's take these mountain moments where our head is lifted and, and let's take them into our valley existence. And, and let's be those who listen to him. Let's be those who listen to him. We're going to finish this morning by singing a song, Christ in Me. And it's a song that speaks of who Jesus is, where, where our hope lies. And it speaks of the fact that, that Christ is in us, which should give us courage as we face the things that we're going to face in this life. So maybe if you're able right now, you'll stand with me. I just want to say, may God bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you today, just as he did on that Mount of Transfiguration. Let's sing together, Christ in me.
To this I 